0: So verse 34 says, Some men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment, and some men they follow after. Right? Some are following the law, some are already following the devil. Likewise, also the good works of some are manifest beforehand, and they that are otherwise cannot be hid. So that's more like a, a, a proverb for us to say, Some people. Just right now, you can tell that they are on their way to hell, the way they are living their life. Some you can tell that they are following the Lord. Let's do chapter 6. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. Who are the servants under the yoke? These are slaves. In their generation, there are a lot of people that are more or less slaves. I mean, they were bought by their masters. And so, and most of them are the ones that listen to the gospel. When God is to the poor, the gospel is preached. These people are from mountain. So when the gospel good goodness came to them, that there's a kingdom, a new kingdom coming, where God is going to give this kingdom back to the righteous. And there will only be righteous people living upon the earth. And Christ is going to reign. And everybody, nobody will be slaves to anybody. It makes sense. And the poor are the ones that, that are that just uh, attached to the gospel. The slaves are the ones that accepted the gospel quickly. Of course, the rich people also accept it. There are some that are slave masters that also accept the gospel. And that's what Apostle Paul said. Those that are servants that are under the yoke should count their own masters worthy of all honor. But right? because the pastors you are serving, if you are not serving them well, they will be ridiculing your religion. So he said, you have to also show example as a believer, even wherever you are serving. So that's why he was pointing to the table that. Teach them to be like this. That they are to regret, to count their masters worthy of all honor. That the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. Because they will be blasphemed. This your religion does not teach you to do this. To do the right thing. And they will blaspheme your religion. Verse 2. And they that are believing masters. Let them not despise them. I mean, if your master is already a believer, you should be grateful. Because now he will be teaching you right. Don't despise them. You still have to serve them because they are brethren, but rather do them service, because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. In the congregation of the, when when in the first church, when these things are, when the gospel started, both the rich and the poor are joining. Some have slaves and their slaves also join, and they themselves join. So he said, if you have a master that is also a believer, you that's a double blessing. Double, 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 double. Yeah, these, your masters are also partakers of the benefits that we all enjoy. Benefits of praying for the sick and getting well, And benefits of uh, eternal life that's coming. He so said that is a good thing. But make sure you are still serving them well just like you are serving them and you are now to serve them faithfully as people that also are, are partakers of the benefit. But still, If any man teach otherwise and consent not to all some words even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to doctrine which is according to godliness he said, the man is proud. He said, he is proud knowing nothing, but nothing about questions and stripes of words. We are of comment, envy, strife, railing, evil surmising, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness from such withdraw say." So I suppose he's more or like less pointing this out that if anybody else says something contrary to what he was teaching Timothy in the way everybody should conduct themselves, the servants should be serving the boss properly, in fear of God. The master also is to treat the servants in the right way. All of this is like possible is teaching. He said that if anybody is teaching otherwise, that person perhaps is uh, opposing what he said about you are to serve your boss. He said that's that man is proud. If anybody is teaching otherwise, he said they are proud. And they are trying to start start a strife. He will, he will, about he said they are corrupt minds. He said they are thinking that gain is godliness because God, that's what like that they are trying to think. You are going to, you are going to profit by doing this, and when you are when well, you are not doing when well, you are not profiting, say withdraw yourself from anyone that is contrary to what I'm preaching. But godliness with contentment is great gain. That's a very important Bible verse that we remind ourselves. Verse six: See, godliness with contentment is great gain. What is contentment? That is, be happy with what you have and thanking God. If you need more, ask God. God will give you promotion and get you more. But contentment is very important. It's a hard thing. Godliness is lifestyle of how you should live godly the way God wants. Contentment is that whatever God has given to you, you are managing it, happy with it and thanking Him for it. Not grabbing for more. And if you need more, God will provide for you. But you have to ask Him in, in faith. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. We brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. Now, verse 8 is telling us the, the bottom line. Say, well, is that all you need? Just food and raiment? Of course, God has provided much more than that for every one of us. We have food, we have raiment, we have roof of our head, so and many other things that like God has provided freely and that we enjoy by his grace. Say so, that the devil be content. But day that we be rich, they fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Anyone that will be rich, I mean by those that will be rich, I mean, they desire to be rich and they are pursuing it all at all costs, they are going to fall into so many temptations, so many hurtful loss. That is the, well, the Bible says is going to tell us that the love of money is the root of all evil. For verse ten, say for the love of money, not money, the love of it, is the root of all evil. He said, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. What do you mean by love of money? You can look around you and see how multitudes are running after money, how they can embezzle money, how they can get the, their own share of the cake that belongs to everybody, the cake of the government. They will take contracts and they will not do the contract and just pocket the millions and millions of money into their pocket. And thinking that that is all the love of money. And it's the root of all those things they are doing. And you see somebody that kidnap people, it's the love of money. Can ransom ransom money they are collecting for after the killing is the love of money. It's the root of all those murder. the root of all those killings. The root of all those killings going all over the world. So that is the root of it. It's not the money. It's the love of it. So the head of the faith appeared and said with so many sorrows. Verse eleven says, "But thou man of God, flee these things, and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith." love, patience, meekness. These are the attributes of the Holy Ghost. And when you follow all those things, that—that that is what the Lord Christ made when you says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things shall be added to you. A lot of people are pursuing what the Lord say we add to them. They are not looking for God. They are looking for what he wanted to add. They want to smash it from his hand. But you won't get it unless you pursue the kingdom of God first. That's why logic said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. That is the way that the kingdom of God operates. That is the righteousness. The way things have to be done if you are in the kingdom of God, that is its righteousness. The meekness, the gentleness, the kindness, the patience, the good character that you are not trying to step on people's toes. You are not stepping on people to get to where you want to get to. Contentment. That is the righteousness. See, seek ye those things of the kingdom of God. That is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is righteousness and holiness in the Holy Ghost. So when you seek that thing, what you need, God will take care of the rest. God will provide this. They will be added to his work by Jesus Christ. And that's what Apostle Paul is referring to here. That man of God, you follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, loving one another, patience, meekness. Verse twelve says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called, and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. Why did you call it? A fight. You see, it's a good fight, but it's a fight of faith. What is this fight of faith? Because it takes. It's like a fight when you when you have to exercise your faith. The devil will challenge you. That's why it's a fight. The devil will come against you. The devil will resist you. The devil will try to tempt you. The devil will try to throw doubts in your mind when you want to exercise faith. But that is where you have to stand from and resist that's the fight when you are resisting somebody somebody's coming against you you are resisting it that's becoming a fight it's not a physical fight with somebody because we do not fight flesh and blood you are fighting principalities and spirits powers of darkness those are satanic spirits those are the people we are fighting those are the spirits we are fighting we are not fighting the human beings even when the devil is using some human beings to come against you don't think of the enemy as that woman being Think of the enemy as the spirit that is going behind that human being to make him speak evil of you or resist you in whatever way he's resisting you. That is what you want to fight. Take your fight spiritually. Step aside in the corner and pray. Command the devil bound. And that's how you fight the battle. By the word of God. Confess the word of God and then live by the word of God. You see that the devil will be having no, no power against you when you are fighting that good fight of faith. That's how you fight it. With the word of God, with prayer and putting on the armor of God, which is righteousness, faith, truth, that the Bible said in the letters of Apostle Paul, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6. Now he went for life, he said, If I the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, where unto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Verse 13, I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep these commandments without spot, unredicable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that is a charge to a young man that is a pastor. And Apostle Paul knew that he will be going soon. And he was giving up Timothy what he should keep occupied with. He said, I shall you before God and before our Lord Jesus Christ, who, is, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. What was the good confession? Our Lord Jesus Christ said, I have come to bear witness to the truth. Our, uh, Pontius Pilate said, what is truth? The Lord Jesus didn't explain for that because that was not, that would take a time for him to be explained to the Pontius Pilate and he wanted him crucified. So but he said, he came to bear witness to the truth. And the truth, well, is, is that there is a God, the truth is that there's going to be a judgment day. The truth is that Jesus Christ is the only Savior. The truth is that He has come to save mankind from their sins. The truth is that there will be resurrection one day. We are all the dead in Christ, will resurrect That's the truth. And Christ came to bear witness to the fact that there is a God by demonstrating the power of God. He came to bear witness that there will be a resurrection. He resurrected Himself and went up to heaven. So, all of the truth He bear witness to it. He said that I've come to bear witness to the truth. And that was what Apostle Paul referred to that. Possible, I am giving charge to Timothy. He said, Before God, and who quickened all, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. And what is charge? is the charge to Timothy that keep this commandment without spot. What is the commandment? Everything he was teaching or telling Timothy to do. It's like a commandment that this is how you, what you be teaching, this is what how you choose the bishop, this is how you choose the deacon, this is what you tell the, the people. It's how they should be treating the widows. It's how they should be treating the elders. And that's how you should be a, a, an example of, of this as a believer. Example of a believer. Say, keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 15 says, which in His times it shall show, that this Christ will show that, yes, you are keeping it. When you are when you are welcomed by Christ, that's how the Lord will show that, yes, you are keeping this commandment that the Apostle Paul gives to you which in his time He shall show, who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Verse 16. He said, Christ only has immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto. Who no man has seen, nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting in Now. Apostle Paul was relating this verse 16 because he has seen the Lord Jesus Christ manifested to him in a blinding light like a ball of light in the book of Acts of the Apostles and that was what he was referring to when he said he is the only one that has immortality because Christ is the one that is going to give immortality to anybody in the end. And like Jesus Christ said, he said I am the resurrection and the life he that believeth in me do he were there, yet shall he live if a man believeth in me and live it and believe it in me, it shall never die. So, what means the immortality that we are looking for, how we are to live and never die, it is Jesus Christ that's going to be in us, that's going to give us that immortality. So, He only has immortality, and He's the one that's going to give all human beings immortality in the end. And that's what Apostle Paul said He saw when He was telling before King Agrippa that He saw a light that was brighter than the sun. Let me read to you in Acts of the Apostles chapter 26. And that was what Apostle Paul glorified when he said Jesus Christ is the only one that has immortality, dwelling in a light in which no man can approach unto, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. This is what he experienced when he met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. And he was relating this to King Agrippa in Acts of the Apostles chapter 26 when he was defending himself after he had been arrested as, as prisoner and was to be sent to Rome. And this is what he said, verse 13 of Acts of the Apostles, chapter At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me, and then which journeyed with me. And when we were all falling to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecuted thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, who art thou Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecuted, but rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear to thee. So that experience gave Apostle Paul the revelation that made him to say Jesus Christ is the only one that has immortality, because that light that is coming emanating from him is the light that he is going to give to us and that will make us to be immortal it's a dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto because when he appeared to apostle Paul, he said that light blinded him for three days and until, until ananias came and prayed for him that he was released from that blindness he said, no man has seen it and i can see it no man can look into that light that's what he meant what he will say? I, I saw him. He said, "No man can look into that light." That's why no man has seen; no can see. To whom be honor and power everlasting. Verse seventeen. Charge them that are rich in this world. Now he's going to address the rich men that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. So that is the charge to the rich people. He said. Try them to not be higher-minded. Don't trust in your riches. That they be not high minded not, not trust in uncertain riches. No matter how much you have, all the billion, billion dollars you stock in the, in the bank account, don't trust in it. Trust in the living God. Those money can be vaporized just like that. They can You can lose them just like that. And they can become worthless or just like that. Or you can lose them by using you yourself, die, and never be able to use the money. Remember the story of uh, the parable that Jesus gave. He gave a parable. He said a, a certain man that has a lot of his goods so suddenly multiplied, and he said, "Well, what am I going to do? Where am I going to store all these things?" He said, "Well, I you know what I will do. I will just tear down my barn and I will build a bigger band. and I will store my my all my goods with that bigger band, and I will tell my soul to relax." Well, you have something stored for many years. And the Bible said, and God said to the to the rich fool, thou fool, tonight your soul will be desired, will be demanded of you. So who then will be the owner of all these things that you stockpile? That's what I mean. That don't trust in uncertain riches. You can steal all the money of the government and stock it in your, in your bank account and you die tomorrow. Who's going to use all this money? You stole it from people, you wasted it but you are going to be standing before God in hell. You'll be, you'll be surprised you'll be sent to hell for being a thief. And that's why he said, Don't trust in certain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Verse 18. He said the rich men should do good, that they do good, that they be rich in good works. Not in storing the money in banks. In good works, use your money for the gospel too use your money to sponsor the gospel use your money to sponsor all the radio broadcasts and this call call us and say you want to sponsor a particular week a particular day and we tell you how much the radio station is collecting and anybody that is saved during the day we are witnessing we go to your account that you are the one that paid for that radio station that is what you should be using your money for when you sponsor the gospel and that's what Apostle Paul said, that they should do good and that they should be rich in good works. And that is what I would recommend for anybody. I did the same thing when I was not even a minister. Sent donations to ministers because I know that the money, when they use my money to win souls, that souls, the souls that I won, that my money participates in winning, that soul is going to my record also. So that's why I say when you sponsor this radio broadcast, you tell us, uh, we won't say. Send it to the radio station. We can tell it to send the and Say it is for this particular ministry. I want you to 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 pay. out to pay for a day of the broadcast or a week of the broadcast? I like this teaching When you are doing that, anyone that is being saved, or being edified, or being built up in the body of Christ by the radio broadcast that you sponsored, it will go for your record also in heaven. That's what Apostle Paul is saying. That they be good. That they do that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute. That's what has been distributing your money to help the other people, to help the gospel, to help the poor, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. That's how you're communicating your resources to help the gospel. You're communicating your resources to, to other people. Verse 19, He says, now you are laying up in store for yourselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may be, they hold on eternal life. When you sponsor the gospel, I'm just using the gospel as an example. When you do good, you are actually laying for yourself a good foundation for the the time to come. Even if you help somebody that is helpless, that needed your help. Many years, you don't know what will be tomorrow. I remember a, a cousin of mine that helped me when I was still in high school, going to live with him for vacation in Lagos, Nigeria. And... You say, well, you're living with him. It's your, so it's your cousin. should take care of you. But these people don't have much money. They are like taxi drivers. Or they are just professional drivers driving some big gas. So when I come for vacation, it's like additional mile to feed. And they struggle with it, you see. They are, but they are paying for Now that I can help them too, I'll be helping them out with uh, gifts also. But what i never forget, the little sacrifice they did when they while well, welcoming me during my high school vacation days because I won't go there with my own bread and money to feed myself. They are feeding me during those two months or one month of vacation, also. And that is paying it forward. And that's what our Apostle Paul is also giving, when he said, "The rich men should do good. That's even those who are rich. Those people, and I'm talking about my own cousin, they are very poor, but they manage because it's our family members, we have to do that, also. But now, when I can help them, I now send them gifts and they remember that yes, it's because of what you did those days, that I'm able to even do this. Otherwise, I won't be able to finish this. Also. So, Apostle uh, Paul is using that same principle here that the rich men, whatever money you can afford, do good with it, be good in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. You are laying up in store for yourself a good foundation against the time to come. And you will be hold of eternal life that Christ is giving to without that are believing in him. Verse 20. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. That is the ministry that was given to him. So keep it. Make sure you do the job. And he said, avoiding profane and vain babblings. I mean, so avoid all the debates and arguments that some people will try to debate a pastor. When they don't believe, they want to debate the pastor about God, about Christ, about heaven, about hell, They think they know, but they are just being fools. Because the Bible says, the fool has said there is no God. If you have run to people, you are preaching, I preach in the street many times, I run to people like that. They may be educated, maybe they are psychologists, or they are in so many professions, and they want to debate that there is no God. Through science, it's a, it's a lie. If you do not know science, you know that science is... Telling, it's, it's telling only the physical. The, the, the spiritual the conscious. You can't bring the spirit to the test too, my friend. And that's what Apostle Paul is pointing out right here. He Say avoid profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so called. Because I, I'm, I mean, I'm like, talking to you. I'm a scientist. Only my scientist. I have my master's degree in computer engineering, so that qualifies me as a as a technologist. And we are all classified as scientists, whether you are in physics. It's not not only the physicists and the biologists that are scientists, even engineers, medical doctors, they are all scientists. Basically, we that are engineers seems to know a little bit better. If you are an engineer and you know what it means to design, you will look at human beings and say that we are a perfect design. Just look at your hand, look at your fingers. That's a creation, that's a creativity. It takes intelligence to make this because in computer we try to make robots and we're writing programs that we make a, just to make the finger of a robot wink, wink, wink like this thousands of lines of codes that's when we when we say where well, it takes intelligence to do this one that we are able to do how much more when all of them can work together and pick up pick up something and not break it we try to program robots to have fingers and be able to make the fingers pick up a cup and not break the cup, not crush it too much, so we are measuring the pressure we put on the cup, the glass cup, and how much to hold it and not drop it. And those are all computer programming we were doing in the the, the robotics lab in those days, which is part of what I, I studied, you see. That shows intelligence. If that robot wake up one day after we are perfect, and say he just created himself. Can that robot think he just created himself because he's now able to do all those things that we program in it? we will be thinking, we will be laughing at him and thinking he's foolish, no? because we can make that robot get all the intelligence that he doesn't need us anymore, he can do all the things, but if he comes back one day and says, "How ah, he created himself, there's nobody that created him, we that created him will be we laughing at him. That is how the spirits are laughing at us, when the human beings say, we, we are, we are, we are, we are from evolution, we are a big bang created everything, and when they, the spirits just laugh at us because they know that they put us here. There's intelligence that make human beings, that make those animals, that make these trees, that make everything intelligence. That's why you say God make all these things. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a world outside. It's a, it's a world called the spiritual world. Where God is the, is the king of that spiritual world. And they put us right here. We are like the robots they make. And when he has given us enough intelligence, that's why God said, let us make man in our image. And so he put us here with the same technique same knowledge, same intelligence, so that we can make robots. We are just getting there now. But he the allow a delete man for six thousand years so before we get to the enough to make will make robots also. Because if they have made robots 5,000 years ago, they will have made nuclear bombs also and destroyed the world. Because they are going to destroy the world with the nuclear bomb they are making. But God is allowing them delayed us by separating them. Now they don't understand the languages. But English is almost uniting the whole world together. Everybody speaking English. So now we are able to make robots because all of those things uh, now knowledge has been increased. as like God said. So, but what I'm saying is this: science, the true science, we that are engineers can see that there is intelligence that make lessons. Those who don't don't think, we think they just came from monkeys or the Big Bang. But see, there's intelligence in the in the creativity that we are seeing around about us, and God is the king of that spiritual world that uh, that created us here, and that's why apostles, apostles say they are vain babblings those who are opposing the gospel, and they call it opposition of science. You no know? science, if they really understand science, they will know science is confirming, and I can make it. That's a different sermon. I can make confirm that science prove that there is a God, that there's a spiritual world. And we are getting closer and closer to the fact that, yes, God is making us to see how we can tap into all of these things he has allowed to be created in the, in the in the universe. I pray that the Lord will give you understanding. And he said, don't listen to all those vain babblings which some professing have heard concerning the faith. Grace be with you. God bless you. And this is the end of the letter of our Paul to Timothy.